This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Once again, it's Thursday. That means it's time for Thursday Coast with the founder of the largest online progressive community, DailyCoast.com, the founder of Civics with a Q, host of the ever-popular podcast, The Brief, Marcos Melissus. Hey, buddy, how are you today? I'm doing I'm doing really good. We're we're uh we've had a couple of hot days here in the Bay Area. And uh it just shows you we're we're kind of spoiled here because I think this is a reality for pretty much the rest of the country. And we get a couple of days of 90 degree temperature and we're dying. So uh but temperatures <laughs> are going back down. It's it's uh it's all good. So uh because uh, it normally doesn't get that hot out there. Is that the case? Yeah, I mean, we usually we'll get like a week out of the year where where we'll have what looks like normal summer for everybody else. But typically speaking, um, Bay Area weather is, you know, it's a nice tight range between like 55 and 70 year round. So it gets in the cooler range in the in the summer. I mean, in the winter and then, you know, we'll have like nice 65 to 70 degree temperatures most of the summer. One thing that makes it really different here is that the night, even in the summer, the nights cool down. So you don't get the accumulation of like radiant heat that you get in places that are perpetually hot, right? So the ground cools off. And so that absorbs a lot of the early morning heat. And so it doesn't feel um, as hot. But when we had a couple of days of straight, you know, 90 degree days, it, it feels different. And uh, makes me, yeah, just makes me grateful that I live out of here and not somewhere because I'm not I'm not acclimated to the heat. I'm a very sort of yeah, atypical yeah, Latino yeah. that that uh, grew up in El Salvador. <laughs> I should be okay with tropical temperatures, but I'm not. Yeah, no, it's the climate is always beautiful uh, where you live. Um, when last we speaking of cooler climates, when last we talked, that was right before the special election, I believe, in Alaska. And yeah. it, I mean, man. Not only did Sarah Palin lose, but the winner is an is an Alaskan native. I mean, that's never happened before. That's that's a big deal, and it kind of shows you and a Democrat that, that, and a Democrat, and that gives us that gives us that in and of itself gives us more hope, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it's a you know it's a little it's a weird election because they have they have ranked choice, right? So it's not a straight up. Um, election, but it's the first time in 50 years that a Democrat has held a seat and the exact same candidates are running in November. And, and no, no, there's no guarantee that the exact same dynamics are going to play out. But the the big sort of the big uh, feature of that, of the ranked choice is that the Demo- the Republican, the two, there's two Republican candidates and one Democrat and a Libertarian the the big feature, the reason the Democrat won is that the uh, one of the Republicans, uh, a baggage, I forget which one, running as a Republican, the only one in his family that's a Republican, baggage is actually a famous Democratic dynasty in in uh, in uh, in Alaska. In fact, a baggage is in charge of the Democrats in the state Senate. We had a, a you know we had a baggage who was a senator fairly recently. And so I don't know if a lot of people voting for baggage were actually voting for the Republican, but they certainly in a, in large numbers did not rank Sarah Palin as her second choice. They either ranked the Democrat or they left it blank. 
And so if either Sarah Palin or this baggage, I forget which, again, I forget his first name because I get them all confused. But if, if this baggage, if one of them dropped out, it would be actually tough to hold the seat. But not only are they not dropping out, but they are going nuclear on each other. And that just uh, almost hopefully it means that they, you know, their supporters won't pick the other Republican as their second choice. And we're able to actually hold that seat next year, which which, you know, would be a big blow for for um, Republican efforts to take the House. On top of that, I think we talked about New York 19th or did we we maybe I don't know if we, oh, we did. OK, I thought we did. We touched on it. So you you have a overperformance right now in Democratic in in contested races where Democrats are running around five points, five to six points above Joe Biden's numbers. And that wait, means- wait Marcos, before you do that, let me just bring because is Nick Baggage. The news is reporting that Sarah Palin had asked Nick has asked Nick Baggage to drop out of the race for November. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't, he responded that Sarah Palin should drop out. Yeah. And so it's, as you said, it's been reported that both of them being in the race creates a big advantage for the Democrat, Mary, uh, Peltola, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. So it was, it was Nick Beckett. Okay, go ahead. I'm Got it, Nick. And I thought it might be, I just didn't want to give the wrong, the wrong one. And, and right. the, uh, the deadline has passed for them right. to pull their names from, from, and Nick got more votes than Sarah Palin in the first round. So just from a logical standpoint, Sarah Palin should have been the one to drop out. But we all know, (laughs) you know, Trumpian Palin, what passes as thinking in scare quotes is not is not uh, really operative. So that would have been a smart play if Republicans were actually strategically thinking on how to win back that seat. Instead, they lost it. And. So we're seeing this overperformance in Democratic numbers. We're seeing uh, we just had a a uh, Wall Street Journal poll come out. I don't know Monday, maybe I think it was Monday or Tuesday that had that that pegged suburban white women going to the Democrats by a uh, it was fifty two to forty margin. I think is what right. the numbers were. It was it was it was this is and we Mark we've talked about this forever, right? Suburban college educated white women are the only swing demographic and where where they go will in a lot of ways determine who wins the election and we lost them in virginia last year and that cost us statewide and the legislature and it almost cost us um new jersey which is a heavily democratic state so right now it's not even close right it's 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 a blowout and abortion on multiple polls is the number one issue right. uh, you're seeing republicans hilariously start to run away from it. They're scrubbing abortion talk from their from their websites. They're they're saying things like, I personally don't agree with abortion, but I would never stop a woman's right to choose. And it's 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 a retreat in a complete 180 degree reversal from what it used to be. Remember when Democrats would be like, I don't believe in abortion, but they should be rare and safe and legal, right? They're, they always had to couch it. It's Republicans turn to run away from the issue. They won, and now they realize that winning is catastrophic to their electoral chances. Uh, one, I think, who's scrubbed is is Marco Rubio himself, if I'm yeah. mistaken. That was just reported yesterday. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... <laughs> Mr. Bibleverse, right? Right. 
so it's it's interesting. That says a lot. Yeah. And obviously it, it should portend for us to do Democrats, us men Democrats, to be in pretty decent shape for the fall. It's as if the Dobbs decision has awakened a sleeping giant when it comes to, to women and women voters. Um, and I'm also hearing, I don't have the numbers in front of me, I'm looking for them now, record numbers of younger women registering to vote yep. uh, uh, now. So, Half of all new registrations right now in most states are, are, are um, of women registrations are under the age of 25, over half. And amongst men, it's about 45%. And those, you know, typically men are more likely to be Republican. Of the under 45 crowd, male under 45 crowd that's registering to vote, they're two to one Democratic. So it's, uh, it's, it's even younger men are realizing like, no, this is, this is BS. I, the government's not going to tell me how I plan my own family. And, uh, uh, and then there's also a realization with Democrats. Finally, finally, this idea that no, we, people want to talk about kitchen table issues. Right. And of course, I think we talked about this last week. Kitchen, there, what is more kitchen table economics than raising a child? They are. Frickin' expensive, Mark. Frickin' expensive. That's right. I would have so much more money if I didn't have two kids. So, so this idea that that the right to choose to plan your own family and economics are somehow not one and the same. I can't think of anything that is more related economically than having to pay for another. For I mean, they're not even self sufficient, right? They're like they're like you got you got to pay for it. It's not like they're it's not like a roommate that'll split the cost of, of living, right? No. That's right. So it's it's dramatically shifting. We're hearing the horror stories every day, you know, from places where abortion's outlawed, uh, women with ectopic pregnancies who can't get DNRs. And I mean, it's just horror story after horror story. Uh, obviously, um, underage kids who have been raped um, or incest. And... Um, all of those, I think, are chipping away and have built on on this on this foundation. So you have suburban women that are very much socially liberal. They they may they right, may right. want lower taxes. They may uh, they may be you know come from a heritage of racism, obviously because of you know a lot of them their families were white flight from the cities, right? Because because uh, dark people. Um, so there, there's all this sort of latent republicanism in them, but but they you know they've evolved over time, and they may still want lower taxes, right? But they're looking at this stuff and they're they're not happy. And and Trump started that shift, and it's accelerating right now. So you have those suburban white women, you have new young voters that are regist registering at just mind blowing, mind blowing rates, and uh, and then you have the abortion issue, along with Donald Trump, have really pushed everything else out of the news, right? So Republicans want to talk about economic issues and inflation and gas prices, even though all that stuff is on the way down. They still want to talk about that, and they can't because of abortion. Now the big stories are scrubbing their websites. Like, that's how scared they're running. So even their ability, Mark, you, we know this, we complain about this every cycle where there's a Honduran caravan or Salvadoran gang members or right, right, right. critical race theory, right? They're all going to make something up. There's always going to be some. And in the typical cycle, the, the traditional media jumps on it, right? Old Fox News is talking about it. So some people say this time 
they can't get through real issues, not made up ones, right? They're, they're still trying. They're still trying to do their little made up issues. None of it is penetrating because people are actually focused on the real issues of, uh, of abortion rights and Donald Trump's crimes. Right. And it, it, you're right. The, it seems like without CRT and some of the other stuff, the Honduran caravans, they're flailing, Republicans are, and right-wing media are flailing, trying to make an issue in defense of Donald Trump and the classified materials that he lifted from the White House. And I just don't think that works for them. They were they were they were they were successful with the Honduran caravans, and Lord knows, unfortunately, they were successful with CRT. Um, but it's not working. The Mar-a-Lago search is not CRT. Objectively looking at it, he took some stuff. The issue is whether or not he took it legally, and there's been really no sound or even consistent counter argument. <laughs> to justify what he's done. So now, you know, they want to do the special master. I don't know if that makes a difference because as DOJ said, they've already done their investigation. Um, I don't even know what authority a special master would have. So you're right. Without a CRT, without a hard doing caravan, without a Willie Horton, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, they don't have that right now. They've got Roe and they've got, I mean, they the Roe decision kind of makes them Willie Horton. Yeah, the no. Dobbs decision. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying the Dobbs decision. Except makes him it's really real. It's not manufactured. It's, it's right. It's real. It's real. And then dude is, and then they're not addressing it. So they're only addressing a, a witch hunt. And you know, I was talking to another guest, and he was saying, you know, they set it up to be, you know, a lose lose. If if Trump is indicted, he's a victim. If Trump is not indicted, then they never meant to, and they just made this up to harm the midterms. Mm -hmm. But but that's that's what they're staging right now. And I guess the question for for you and for us and for everyone, Marcos, is, and I, I think yes, we're seeing it. Which is more important? Uh, is that demographic of suburban college educated white women more concerned about debunking charges against Trump? or more concerned about the Dobbs decision. And it looks like it may be the latter. I mean, it's it's, it's not even close. And with that demographic particularly, and, and we, we've even seen some polling that shows that college-educated white men in suburbia yeah. are shifting. Now, I'm not going to get my hopes up. So um, it takes a lot for people to change their voting behavior. And we can even go back to 2016, and we were starting to see those in the polling how those college white women, college educated white women were shifting to the Democrats. They ended up voting for Trump. And it wasn't until 2018 that they finally started voting in our direction, right? So even when he started thinking like, I'm not feeling good about this, pulling that first ballot for the party, you know, the other party, after you've been voting a certain way for decades, is hard. So I'm not particularly yeah. counting on them. What I'm seeing is a, is a, sort of a, a mental shift, not particularly, you know, particularly, you know, those men. What we're seeing is that basically anybody who's gone to college is like, this is, this is ridiculous. 
And uh, which will also explain the hysteria over the, you know, the the loan forgiveness and the Republican Party's anti-intellectualism, anti-education agenda, right? It's it's all related. They realize that when people get smart, that they can't demagogue them with Honduran caravans and all that BS. So um, the uh, there is a actually I forgot the question. <laughs> Sorry, I went off in a tangent, or maybe well, not. No, it's cool. I mean, it was just rhetoric. I was saying that that obviously it's showing that. Oh, they, that they're yeah. more they're more concerned about the Dobbs decision than about buying into Trump's defense. Well, Dobbs decision is real; it affects them in a very right, tangible right. way, and and not only abortion itself, but everything that's been implicated by Clarence Thomas, you know, contraception, right, right, right. and you know, the idea with sodomy laws that the government can stick their nose into your bedroom and and see what you're doing behind closed doors, uh, and marriage equality. These are all things that in suburbia are like. You know, they're third rails. You, you don't touch them. And uh, the Trump thing, by its lonesome self, would not, you know, we've discussed it. I don't think it would have th- this kind of impact. It would help rally the liberal base to have Donald Trump sort of, to make it a choice between Trump and Biden, as opposed to a referendum on Biden, which is what the typical midterm usually is. Uh, that would help rally our side. But I think what, what it's doing for those, for those sort of swing voters, it just sort of adds to like, you know what? Yeah, I'm using the vote for Democrat. Like, if Dobbs didn't exist, I don't know where they would land. But we don't even have to worry about that hypothetical because Dobbs yeah. exists. They're like, you know what? Democrats, and then they're gonna look over and go, oh yeah, and the circus in the Republican Party over this a hole that they already voted against in 2020 is uh, is continuing, and the Republican Party just can't quit Trump. I mean, we had we had Marco Rubio say that. Oh, you know, if Trump has secrets, it's just a storage issue. He called it a storage issue. And if it was really that serious, we would be told because he's, you know, the Senate Intelligence Committee would be briefed. And then, you know, it turns out that the secrets he stole related to nuclear capabilities of another country. And we don't know what that other country is yet. Uh, I'm going to guess it's either Israel or Iran. And... um, and it was so highly classified that even members of the administration didn't have access to it. Yeah, so so Senate Intelligence Committee, it was above their pay grade. This was how that sensitive that document was. Uh, but even if it wasn't, I mean, this is the same crowd that was hysterical about Hillary Clinton, supposedly, you know, her emails, which had no classified information. Right, right. When she when when it was stored in there, like later on, the the, the FBI came back and they, they retroactively classified three documents out of what? 90,000 emails. I mean, it, right. it was a freaking joke. And so, and not to mention that Trump signed the law that was supposedly to, you know, because Hillary didn't break the law. So they tried to, you know, sign a law that then would would make future, um, you know, what she did would make it against the law in the future. And it's ironically what now Donald Trump is ensnared in. So this whole like, well, Hillary, well, Donald Trump signed the law that would prevent this from happening. And that's the law that now that's now, you know, threatening to swallow him up. So it's um, I, I, I will never understand. I mean, Mark, you're, you're, you're trying to defend somebody and then you, you go out on a limb and he saws it off. Right. And then you go out on a limb again and he's the next limb. He saws that one off. Right. You're like battered and bloody on the floor. And then you're going to climb back up on the tree and go on to another. Like he has systematically made all his defenders look like morons. 
And I don't understand your, your Marco Rubio. What's in it for you? Why, why, why do you feel? Comp- I mean, Mitch McConnell, he stopped defending Trump a year ago. I mean, he's just like, yeah, I, the, he's not even going to mess with it. Uh, in fact, he's been talking smack about Trump's Senate candidates, um, basically saying he's not, we're not going to win the Senate because candidates matter. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. why, what's in it for Marco Rubio for, Ted Cruz and like, why do they debase themselves and defend somebody? I get a Matt Gates and I get a Jim Jordan, right? They're, they're, they're ideologues. They're, they're, you know, they're just, you know, their brain's been eaten away by some kind of virus or something. But Marco Rubio, I mean, he pretends to be smart. So why yeah. defend this, this horrible human being who's done nothing but bring down a Republican party? And since we're on Rubio, we're talking about Florida. Do we know how things are looking down there in terms of Val Demings? So the, the poll, yeah, the polling shows Marco Rubio with a narrow lead, not not insurmountable. It's it's you know, roughly speaking, you know, Rubio's sitting there at 46, 47 percent. Val Demings is sitting at like 43, 44 percent. So she's, you know, a good three to five points behind him. Definitely within within striking distance. And um there's, there's a, you know, we, we talk about how in 2016 and even 2020, the polling missed a big chunk of Trump's vote. And the reason they missed it, it's because it's this nihilistic, uh, destructive uh, Trump voter who never voted before because they didn't see the point. And they see in Trump somebody that's going to burn down the system that has screwed right. them. And these are all mostly worldwide, you know, Corporations left them a long time ago. They're sitting. They're sitting in Appalachia. Their communities are, you know, they're they're completely uh, drug-addled with opioids and and uh, uh, meth. And uh, it's just their life is crap. And this is where that famous quote comes from in the Florida Panhandle, where after one of the hurricanes, FEMA was nowhere to be found. And this woman who voted for Trump said Trump was supposed Trump is hurting the wrong people. And because they're in pain, they don't expect government to help them out. But why not deliver some pain to those urban elites who, you know, latte sipping, black and brown immigrants. So um, you can't pull those people. They're not going to pick up the phone and talk to a pollster. Right. So they're they're unpullable. But Mark, what happens when hundreds of thousands of Young voters under the age of 25 register to vote. They're not answering a phone and talking to a pollster either. They are just as unreachable to pollsters as any Trump supporter. Um, a lot of voter vote, uh, polling operations, they won't even consider them because a likely voter, you'll see, you know, you'll see differences between registered voters and likely voters. Likely voters are usually people have poll- who have voted several times. So these people will get filtered out because they're not typical likely voters. So what happens when we have on our side hundreds of thousands of people who are equally impossible to poll? Yeah. And so you look at the polling and the assumption has been it's going to be better for Republicans because we can't reach Trump voters. Well, Trump's not in the ballot for one. Trump is saying the system's broken and it's rigged. And why vote? Because... XYZ, right? I mean, Trump is doing his thing. Right. Now we have this huge wild card. There is a very real possibility, a scenario in which the polling is actually um, less 
optimistic for Democrats than the reality on the ground, just because uh, we can't pull those people. So I can't tell you, Mark, are there more Trump nihilist voters who can't be pulled? Are there more young uh, new voters on the left that can't be pulled? I don't, I don't know. But what it does is it means that we, we can't sit there and assume, well, the polling is is going to be favorable to Republicans. Um, I think Val Demings being a couple points behind is not a bad place to be, given that it is Florida. I think that Marco Rubio scrubbing his website of abortion information is not a good sign. That's not a sign of somebody who's who's feels confident about winning and is ahead in the polls and uh, and has got this thing in the bag. So there is a there is a real, real, real opportunity here. And um, I will say that if we win Florida, we've won a lot of other states like Florida would be seat 54 or 55 for the Democrats. It would be the cherry on top. But it's within range. It's it's reachable. It's doable. And um, Val Demings has more money than God. I mean, wow. her fundraising is the top fundraising of any Senate candidate, including incumbents from either party. She's blowing away Marco Rubio. Republicans are having the outside groups are having to spend tens of millions of dollars and it doesn't seem to be moving the needle. And uh, yeah, she's raised like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but she's raised like 70 million to Marco Rubio's 50 million. I mean, it's so she's not going to lose from lack of money. She's not going to get swept away by a barrage of corporate money or any of that. She'll have the money to get the vote out and to put together a good get out the vote operation. And she's really leaning heavily into the abortion issue. And again, Marco Rubio is yeah. now scared. Yeah, she's even got a new ad up. Uh, holding him accountable for his stance. So the fact that he's retreating says a lot. So hopefully that's a good sign. Um, Marcos, I mean, his, it's absolutely uh, a good sign. Is is it a, is yeah. it a sign that she's going to win? I mean, that's a different story, but yeah, right, Rubio's right, scared. Right. He is scared. Yeah. Well, he ought to be. And we are, all these jokers need to be held accountable. Yep. Dailycoast.com, The Brief, wherever you get your podcast, Civics with a Q. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.com, Marcos Melissas. This has been Thursday Coast. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. And everybody, this is, this is it. We're, at, we're after Labor Day. This is the time to leave everything on the, get you know, put everything into getting Democrats elected. We have this historic opportunity to uh, to buck historical trends, pick up seats in the House and the Senate and governorships and secretary of states, all the things that matter. And uh, it's just about educating people about what's on the ballot, educating people about abortion rights. And, and the public is responding. They're actually responding. And this is why we're competitive. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's leave it all on the field. Thanks, Marcos. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.